Vinny Juniors to score for uh, Real Madrid. Oh, lovely! That stuff. is a worldie as well. Hey, he's outrageous. That game. From what that I've guy. seen. Wow, what a goal! That makes this tie quite fun. Uh, hello and welcome back to another episode of the In the Round podcast. Uh, I hope you enjoyed us live reacting to Vinny Junior's belter. Um, as you can tell, it's not Will uh, Mike here this week. Uh, I'm joined by my good friend Dave. How are we doing? Yeah, not bad, thanks. Excellent. Uh, Willem Ross, unfortunately attacked after the second, uh, what do they call them? Guardians. Credit scenes. No, second credit scenes. Oh, that's tough. Yeah, there was two of them. The second one at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy 3. The second one not worth sticking around for. Unfortunately, some snakes appeared from either side of Willem Ross's chairs. Uh their eyeballs took a bit of a bit of a battering, so they will not be on this pod. Um, out injured, unfortunately. I'm, I'm sure they'll be back uh, next week if the NHS can find some sort of solution for them. <laughs> uh, obviously, a fun last weekend, uh, a VFL action over the bank holiday. We always love um, <clears throat> some bank holiday action Friday and Monday games quite often. Yeah, Easter. Um, <laughs> it's just Easter. It's just Easter, as it turns out. That happens once a year. <laughs> Never mind. Uh, but we also had some fun Prem games. I think the main talking point uh, seems to be Leicester, Dave. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know if Leicester have been like this. Seems like a shock. I mean, I know that last season they didn't look brilliant, especially given that they basically bottled the Champions League the two seasons before, um, but still ended up in European football. This season, they have been woeful. I think I think there's a number of factors here. I think Brendan Rodgers sort of only had a plan A, which wasn't working, didn't really try anything else. So as much as fair play to him, he'd more than proven himself to be given the chance. They're sort of doing rubbish and he's not trying anything different at all. And it's not working. So I felt like they were left with no choice but to get rid of him. Arguably, they left that too late. Um, They could have got rid of him way before they did. But I think this stems all the way back to pre-season. I mean, getting rid of Kasper Schmeichel... And not even getting, like, a recognised Prem keeper in is nuts. I mean, Danny Ward, pretty questionable. Uh, questionable career is harsh because, obviously, the guys played at a decent enough level. But to be thrown into being the first-choice Prem keeper, I would definitely say it's not really had <laughs> the sort of even career that, that would look like this season was that time for him. I mean, he spent quite a few years as Liverpool's backup. I think he was more like third choice actually at points, playing in like the Carabao or something, maybe a couple of times a season. I was going to say, I don't even remember this. That's crazy. I'm sure. Well, I can't wait to Google this and I've got this wrong, but I'm sure he was at. Let me check. I'm sure. Yeah, he was. He was at Liverpool. Yeah. For six years where he made two league appearances. Wow. Uh, In six years, he made three. He actually only made three appearances for Liverpool. Um, and on his loan spells, the most he managed was 43 appearances for Huddersfield in 16-17. He'd been Leicester's cupkeeper 
before this season, in four seasons at Leicester, he played one league game and overall competitions. He'd only played 19 games. This season, he's played 28. I mean, at the start of the season, he was making so many errors. It was embarrassing. Um, the other keeper they had was Iverson, who who seems to be given some more games now, especially by Dean Smith. He was clearly nowhere near good enough either. I mean, the, the thing that I don't get here is Rogers obviously had both of these guys at the club for ages, and he didn't trust them at all. Um, obviously, there was Kasper Schmeichel, but I think when there was injuries, who was the the old Hall guy, like y- Jakupovic? Yeah, he was right. a backup yeah. keeper until he was like 40 or something now. Yeah, I remember when he had an, an out. Was he yeah, in the Prem as well? Yeah, for Hull in the Prem. They but, a load of goals, but he was actually quite good. But but the thing is, like I know I'm going about this in a, a roundabout way, but Danny Ward's 29 this year, and his best season came in the championship. So suddenly you're like, yeah, let's throw this guy into the Prem, even though pretty clear he's he's not that good enough Iverson's 25 and he's never really been trusted to play for them he did have a season and a half of Preston in the championship where he was pretty good he played every game for Preston but again they're like two championship level keepers Casper Schmeichel was ever present for them since they came up still in my opinion more than a decent enough prem keeper, especially compared to these two guys sure. they have. Yeah. So you come into the season already with keepers where everyone that's already at the club is like, well, we've trained with these guys for God knows how many years because Iverson's been there since he was a kid. Ward's been there five years. So you're obviously like, yeah, these guys are, I don't know, third, fourth choice keeper. And now they're number one and two. I mean, setting yourself up for a season like that in itself was some alarm bells <laughs> then they've got loads of players especially at fullback that seem to be ended all the time like James Justin and uh, Ricardo Pereira you're I don't know like they've got loads of players that their name and stuff seems great but actually they haven't been very good at football for quite a while now like Tillemans yeah, doesn't want to be there where do you stand on this squad I don't, I don't a lot think of it's very there. good. Yeah. I, I mean, what I will say is I feel like they're definitely better than this. That's that's the thing. They ha- Yeah, they have to be, especially with Madison in there. But even He's... players like Harvey Barnes and... Like, Harvey Barnes has, has, in my opinion, sort of gone under the radar here. Like, he has been woeful this season. Um... That's a good point. We are I mean, he has, members of the fan club, but yeah, it's not been a good Harvey season. The thing is with Harvey Barnes, he has scored 12 goals. So at face what, value, is... yes. But, when? Yeah, I know. But the thing is with him, that looks good at face value, but I don't know if you've watched much of Leicester. He just, there's just something about his whole squad of players. They just don't seem to quite care. And that's what Madison keeps firefighting in every single post-match interview. He keeps coming out on Twitter and making statements because he keeps saying in like the interviews, like, you know, we're not fighting enough or there's not enough fight there. And really so, the Leicester Cat fans are like, 
you're the bloody captain. So if you're saying there's no fight, like what the hell's going on in that dressing room? How is there no fight for you all? You all think you're obviously way better than relegation scrappers, but here you are in a relegation scrap, seemingly with like no desire to actually get out of it. Yeah, do you think there's anything to the... People are saying that because Leicester didn't think they were going to be here, that's a big disadvantage compared to like a Bournemouth who have scrapped their way pretty much out of it now, who knew they were going to be in a scrap from the beginning. Scott Parker said they were not good enough. We probably agreed at the time. Is there anything to the fact that the players there were prepped for a relegation battle, whereas Leicester really weren't? No, I mean, last season, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I was looking where they finished because I thought they were at least top 10. They actually finished eighth last season, only six points off the top six, four points off the conference league. They stayed up by 17 points. Yeah, they were miles away. Yeah, and obviously the seasons before, fifth in a row, I think there was another ninth in there, 17-18, they Sorry, 16-17, they obviously struggled after they won the league, but they still came 12th. And obviously the season before, they won the bloody league. So it's hardly like they've been flirt. They haven't flirted with relegation since their first season when they came up, when I think it would be fair, fair to say that squad was much, much worse. Like you had Jamie Vardy, but nowhere near the player that Jamie Vardy turned out to be. You had like Drinkwater again, nowhere near the player he turned out to be. Players like um, Cambiasso at the end of his career, who managed to keep them up, to be fair. But the squad they have now, on paper, is way better than that squad that stayed up with that crazy run. And uh, I think it was like Nigel Pearson, wasn't it, at the the end of that season? Nigel Pearson. What a throwback. (laughs) (laughs) Hold on. I I I need to look at that squad, see who's in there. But... Going back to the squad that they have now, I mean, you look at the the players, some of these guys are arguably, I don't know, Will would probably fight me on this. I mean, if you wouldn't say some of them are Champions League level players, they're at least like top six. Not necessarily top six in the Prem, but you, they wouldn't look out of place in the Europa League. I mean, I'd say Madison's probably a top six player. Tielemans would be if he hadn't been so awful. I mean, I mean, all these players have capacity to, well, not all of them, but the key players have capacity to get a big move. Like Harvey Barnes, again, you wouldn't be shocked if he got a bit a big move, really. Um, yeah, you wouldn't be totally surprised if uh, if a top sixteen bought him. Not necessarily to start every game, but yeah, I mean. To run you through some names of the last time Leicester in a relegation scrap, they're Casper Schmeichel. An ancient Mark Schwarzer, Richard Delap, Paul Koncheski, Matthew Hupson, Hoof, Wes Morgan, Danny Simpson, that Wasilewski. I think we can say, yeah, we can safely say that this squad is better, isn't it? Tom Lawrence, yeah. It's it's a far, far better squad. And the thing is with this Leicester team as well, you look at the squads that are down there with them, and surely to any sort of footballing brain, this team is way better than the teams around them. Like, despite, Leicester have a spine that have face values 
pretty decent. There's definitely some higher level players and anyone that leads have. Yes, Southampton have Ward-Prowse, but the rest of the team isn't brilliant. Everton Forest don't have many players of particular quality. They don't have Madison. And and you could say the same with Bournemouth. I mean, obviously, West Ham do have players of quality. They've also underperformed, but not on this level of this Leicester team. And I just I just don't know what's going on there. I think, like I was getting with the... Um, with the keepers at the start of the season, I think a lot of this comes down to like the boards, just total mismanagement of the squad. I mean, Ndidi, like the problem is they've got players like Ndidi and Tielemans in particular who've basically been touted and flirting with big moves for years now that have never really come around. Tielemans, I think, is out of contract at the end of this season. I could be wrong in saying that, but it's something like either the end of this season or the end of next season, unless he's going to he's going at the end of this year. You've I got don't know if that means his contract is done or not, but no. And then, like I say, you've got players that have quality, but they keep getting injured. I mean, Suyuntu was great for a little bit, but he's been terrible recently. Well, for the last couple of seasons. You're expecting to find another Wesley Fofana in Welt phase, which was always a super unrealistic, you know, a super unrealistic idea. I mean, Fofana was a gem. You can't expect to find another one. I know Leicester have been brilliant at finding really good players, but to pin your hope straight away on like a young centre-back is mental. And yeah, sorry, Mike's just checked. Tielemans is out of contract at the end of the season. I mean, if you have players like that who you know don't want to be there, are they the players you want to play in a relegation scrap? And my answer for this every single time is no. It, you need it people dying for the shirt, don't you? Yeah, if, it doesn't matter on this ability. And I know Southampton good going to go down anyway, but they've actually had a similar situation where Mohamed Salasu stupidly came out saying, if we get relegated, I'm going to leave. Sellers has just frozen him out of the team. He doesn't train with the first team. He's not going to play again. And it's a hard line, but I know Southampton probably still won't stay up, but you can't have people in the camp that aren't sharing the vision of the whole team. You can't, you can't be pulling someone through the motions if they don't want to be there and they don't want to fight to stay up. And I sort of fear that this is what's happened with this Leicester team because the mentality of like Madison... Probably Welt phase. I mean, Sionchu's off to Atletico Madrid, unbelievably. Tielemans, arguably Iannaccio, Harvey Barnes, Dewsbury Hall probably, probably Ndidi as well. Possibly even players like James Justin and Castagna. They know that whatever happens with Leicester, chances are they either stay in the Premier League or they end up going to like a, another top five division club. They'll end up in Italy, Spain, France or Germany. Do these players really care? Because their careers, I don't know if it blights them because, you know, you're not going to have these players playing in the championship. No way. Why? What? It just yeah. wouldn't happen, would, would it? They just Not many not of these sticking there. around, are they? No, and tying into the board getting this wrong, I mean, in January they signed that Tete on loan to from Shakhtar, who, to be honest, has looked okay. Um, but 
they got drawn into buying another centre-back and they ended up getting Harry Souter from Stoke, who, don't get me wrong, he seemed decent enough in the Championship. But again, you're expecting someone to just turn up, put in seven out of ten performances in a league they'd never played in. That's a much bigger step up. Again, going into Iverson and Ward. And in a team that's not working. Already. Yeah, and, and well, without phase, you're, you're expecting these guys to step up a massive step and just be like, yeah, you're suddenly going to become a six, seven, eight, or ten out of, sorry, out of ten player every week. It, I, it's unrealistic. I mean, the thing is as well that I've never understood with this Leicester team is, yes, they've given Jamie Vardy a lot of credit, rightly so, but they should have given him the credit that Jamie Vardy's so unique. You can buy in a player like Iannaccio, who has already proven quality, can bring in Patson Dacca, who was already scoring a lot of goals. You can't get them to do the same job because Vardy is like a he's like a freak. Like prime Vardy, no one could stop him. He was so good at just running into channels. He was like fearless. You can't instill that into a player. They either have it or they don't. And I think Vardy's just a unique player, given the trajectory of his career. And what was seemingly untapped ability that he found within himself. You can't expect to teach flipping anybody in the world or any striker less signed to do the same thing. They yeah, should have looked to find that again, as we he's... said and have said on this pod before. Yeah, and he's finally fallen off, bless him. But, I mean, he's given it a good go now, but over the season... He's trying, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> but, like, Iannaccio, they brought in... Yeah, there's questions of his overall game, but even at City, clearly from a young age, he he just had that natural finishing ability. But instead of using that... <laughs> They've got him trying to do everything else, like Vardy. Pats and Dakar, obviously, scoring goals, but I think it was Salzburg he came from. Again, massive step up. They've got a couple of these wrong now, like they had that Ahmed Musa as well, who they signed for massive money and then oh, sold him yeah. back to Russia, I think. They've, they've really... Like Leicester, obviously, in the last 10 years as a whole, their recruitment's been unbelievable. Some of the players have found, like Mares and Kante from nowhere, arguably Vardy, amazing. But in the last five, six years since they won the league, they've made a lot of poor signings for big money that hasn't worked out. That's meant that they haven't been able to invest in someone else because they only have like one chance per window or whatever of signing someone in that position. Now they just find themselves in a squad that has great names, but it, it doesn't function, does it? And that's been so clear all season. And going right back to my first point, how do you expect defenders to pull themselves through anything when they don't trust the guy that's behind them in goal? You see it in football over and over again. Do you remember West Ham with Pellegrini when they were playing that Roberto guy who was awful? West Ham's defenders were also awful because how do you pull yourself through? Like, it puts you on edge when you don't on... want to even concede a chance, basically, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, and why are you going to put your neck on the line where you could save it and you sort of think in the back of your mind, if someone actually puts a decent shot at this guy, it's probably bloody going in anyway. Yeah, And they've had that problem all season. And <laughs> West, um, sorry, Leicester have had defensive mistakes basically whenever Johnny Evans hasn't played for like three or four years now at this point. What a player. Yeah, honestly. But that's something they knew because they flew, They got 
through it last year when Fofana and Evans were fit last, like together. Evans hasn't been fit this year and Fofana's gone. I, I just don't know what. I, I, and even looking forward to next season, if they stay up, I don't know where they go from here because like players like Madison won't want to stay. The idea of Leicester being a top half team, surely that illusion shattered because if they do somehow stay up, it'll be a bloody miracle from pulling something out of the hat the last three games. If they go down, none of them are going to want to stay. And if anyone's stuck on the wage bill, they're going to be massive wages for the championship. I'm amazed it's gone wrong, to be totally honest. Like, if you'd said to me at the start of the season, Leicester with three games to go when they've got, I think, Liverpool and Newcastle in those three games. Liverpool, Newcastle, Leicester. So how many points do they get out of those? Less, uh, Liverpool at home, Newcastle Who, Sorry, away. Liverpool and what was the last one? Sorry, West Ham on the West, final day yeah, at home. Yeah. God, they may I mean, not be playing for something by then, but they might still be. Honestly, I reckon they have. And where do they play Newcastle? Is that away or home? Uh, Newcastle away, Liverpool at home. Um, I think they could maybe pull a point out against Liverpool, point against West Ham, but Newcastle have so much to play for and they're playing some good stuff, other than the Arsenal game, obviously. But they yeah. they were unlucky in that. But even so, Newcastle every game for them is a six pointer. They've clearly got some real quality. Leicester have to go to them. You know this Leicester team. They won a league. Well, not this team, but Leicester won a league. They stayed up against the odds the first season. But if you looked at that team, they just had they just had fighters that would give you what you needed. You had your Wes Morgans, your Hoofs. Even Danny Simpson, Simpson, yeah, Vardy, drink you had, water, like, drink the water. Mix. yeah, and then you had other players like Damari Gray, who back then would get in the mix, like Nathan Dyer. You had people that would just run and run, and they'd they'd help. But you look at this team, and you're like, don't think any of them really care. Like none of what, no one seems to want to dig their heels in, and like, yeah, it take... doesn't feel like they have it as much, does it? Yeah, it doesn't feel like anyone wants to take the battle, like, like grab it and just like deal with it. Like no one seems to have that in them. And I think it's a bit, it's a bit, it says a lot for me that Madison's ended up being the captain. Like I have no doubt that Madison's a fairly influential guy just because he's been there for a while and he's, he's like a star player. But the way he speaks and stuff, he doesn't, I don't know. Maybe I'm just old-fashioned with captains. Yeah, it's but not what imagine... we think a captain would be, is it? Yeah, I always imagine captains being like some centre-back or a bit of a tough-nut midfielder who's probably a bit more senior in their career or at least they've just got a bit more of a mean streak and he just doesn't have that. And like I say, there's no doubting his ability as a footballer, but I'm not sure that's the guy you want trying to G you up every game and every half-time or whatever it may be in a relegation scrap. Agreed. I just, I just don't think that's the sort of person. And like you say with Bournemouth, you know, in that Bournemouth team, they've all got the same vision, which is just let's try and stay up. They've added a bit of quality to the mix, but that core of the team's been there for a while. They're all on the same page. Whereas these Leicester players, even before the season started, people like Tielemans, possibly people like Barnes, their agents could have been putting feelers out. 
they could have been having inquiries, people contacting their agents. Most of these guys probably had their head turned before they even got in trouble. And now, like, grass is always greener. They're probably like, well, if this goes wrong, so-and-so was in contact with me in January, like, I'm going to be fine. And unfortunately, if you're in a relegation scrap with that mentality, I just, I don't see how you pull yourself out of it with passengers in the mix. Agreed, agreed. So uh, let's play a quick game then. We've given Leicester two points, which takes them to 32 at the end of the season. I think we can assume that Southampton are down there. They're pretty much yeah. Gone. So uh, Leeds have three games to go on the same points as Leicester. They go to, um, where are we? So Leeds play Newcastle at home. So they're going to have a big say in this. Then they go to West Ham as well. Wow. And then host Spurs on the final day. Honestly, Spurs are so Spursy that I say three points against Spurs. (laughs) But then I say no points against anyone else. Yeah. So Leeds would be on 33. Uh, The other two teams that are probably in the mix are Everton and Forest. So we'll continue playing this game and we can tell you who's going to go down from there. So Everton, their fixtures are uh, Man City at home on Sunday. Christ. Which is tough. Then they go to Wolves and then they host Bournemouth, who will probably be on the beach by that time. Well, Wolves are on the beach because they're already safe, even now. Yes, Wolves, Wolves also probably on the beach. Um, see, with Everton as well, that gives me a bit of hope with them, even though I think they have overstayed their welcome in the Prem game in recent seasons and this season. I think like the performance they've had, like the result they got the weekend was great. And they have had a couple of great results. I mean, they beat Arsenal. They've shown promise that, yes, they're inconsistent, but when they turn up, they can turn up. And I haven't seen that from really Leicester or Leeds in this crunch time of the season. So I can see, I can see Everton. You see, I'd like to say somehow they got a point at City, but I know if I put that out to the world, they'll lose about 8 nil, and Haaland will score six <laughs> in like 45 minutes. Yes. No, realistically, I think they lose to City. As long as they don't let the scoreline get embarrassing, I think that would be important for them moving into the final two. I think they could definitely catch out Wolves. Like Wolves all season have had their own fragilities, but they're safe yeah. now. Um, and who is the who's the other and then team? Then Bournemouth at home on the final day. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, Bournemouth for Bournemouth again. They could turn up and they could be great, but also like Wolves, they've got so many fragilities potentially, and with them probably having nothing to play for at all by then. I feel like as well at home that helps them. I honestly can see Everton getting. At worst they, case, they could get four, four or points. six, couldn't they? And I think six, yeah, potentially. So that would In take them to thirty-six slash thirty-eight points. 38, yeah. And then Notts Forest are currently on thirty-three, so they have remaining. They go to Chelsea, then they Oof. host Arsenal, and Oof. then they go to Palace on the final day. Um, it's hard to know what you're going to get out of Chelsea. So that, yeah, it. it is very hard to know what you get out of Chelsea. Oh, wait. Do they play Chelsea? Yeah, they do. I said Chelsea, didn't 
Yeah, yes. you did. Yeah, um, Chelsea, Chelsea, Arsenal. Um, Arsenal, obviously tough. Arsenal will be firing on all cylinders, so I could probably say now that that will be zero points. Um, Chelsea, I can see them getting a point just because it's Chelsea as they are. Um, and then last day against Palace, it's tough to say because as much as Palace are on the beach... It's Roy Hodgson's last game, I presume, and possibly and Zaha's last game. And it could be Zaha's last game. And I feel yeah. like what Roy's managed to get out of this team is basically like, you guys are good at going forward, attack, attack, attack. And given the occasion of the game, it, it's tough because Palace, if they get it right, could win 4-0. But if they get it wrong, they could also lose 4-0 because they just get so open at the back. It's going to be tough at Salhurst. But I can see, I can honestly see Forrest getting a result there. It'll be it'll be a, some crazy game like 4-3 or something, I can imagine. But I can see Forrest pulling that off. Yeah, that looks like it'll be a big game. Um... Can't wait for it to be 0-0 with... About two shots the whole game. By the way, well, Forrest wouldn't mind that if that's all they need, I suppose. Um, True. So we've done all of that to say that it's going to be as you were Leeds, Southampton, and Leicester probably going down. <laughs> so that's yeah. a worthwhile exercise. <laughs> oh dear. Typical. Right. Typical. From the bottom of the uh, Premiership to uh, the division below, the Championship. It was obviously EFL last days um, at the weekend. Burnley and Sheffield United promoted automatically. And then I guess it's, I'll, I'll tell you who went down. Uh, well, Reading, Reading Blackpool and Wigan. Wigan. Yeah. Really so tough for Reading, by the way, because without the points deduction, they actually finished both QPR and Cardiff. Yeah, so that's that stings. Because it uh, feels yeah. like it's not the player's fault, doesn't it? Um Playoffs-wise, Sunderland versus Luton, Coventry, Middlesbrough. Any favourite for the playoffs, do you think, Dave, here? Do you know what? I'd have way more faith in uh, Middlesbrough against Cov if they didn't literally play out a 1-1 yesterday where Cov looked as good as Middlesbrough. Um, Sunderland are a strange one because I think Luton are clearly the better team, but Sunderland have something that a lot of the players the teams don't seem to have out of this mix, which is basically just some very pacey and tricky wingers. Like Ahmad Diallo, obviously on loan from United. I, I mean, I'm still not sure he's like a 35 or 40 million pound player, but right now in the championship, he's he's very good for that level. Um, they've got Jack Clark as well, who used to be at Tottenham and Leeds, who's really come into his own the second half of the season. Um, I mean, Sunderland haven't lost since... March and that was against Sheffield United. They've won four of their last six. Um, so maybe they're a bit of a harder sort of outfit than you may have initially thought. Um, I also think for what it's worth, Mowbray's a very, very good championship manager. Um, so I think that could help in this situation. I've also got Patrick Roberts and Joe Galhart on loan from Thingy. Um, Leeds. Leeds. Um, and obviously Patrick Roberts permanently. Having said that, Luton, obviously, again, 
up there. I think did they get to the playoff final last year? They were at least in the playoffs last year. So yeah, again, wow, they hadn't lost since February, and that was against Burnley one 0 and they had a red card. Wow, I didn't realise they finished that strongly. If I'm totally honest, um, bit cli- bit cliche about Luton, but their grounds kind of cool with the away end <laughs> coming in through the houses. I we, agree. We, it would, we've been you know there. I don't, I don't massively like Luton, but I, what I would say is it would be nice to have a team in the the Prem who haven't been up in forever. Um, yeah, it would be cool for a different team. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and, a bit like when like Bournemouth or Huddersfield came up, that sort of thing, I guess. Yeah. Not Forest even this season, kind of similar. Uh, Coventry as well would be kind of cool, but. But yeah, I I'll mean, be honest. I haven't followed any of the EFL that closely, so we will. The championship well, obviously follows a lot closer than me. But Luton and Cov would be interesting because it's it's one of those where you think, how the hell do they adjust to like a Premier League budget? What does their like Premier League budget even look like without going for broke? Um, which would be interesting. I mean, Middlesbrough and Sunderland. Obviously, neither have been up for ages, but they were like for a long time fairly wholesale names in the the prem. So, as much as they've earned their spots, and I think Carrick's done a brilliant job with them, I would like Luton or Cov to come up just because it's either one of them would be someone completely different um, compared to the usual suspects. Um, I mean, Burnley, Sheffield United. Burnley, let's hope they haven't done a Norwich and they've done more of like a Brentford because Norwich used to tear the championship to shreds and then they were terrible. Company obviously seems a decent enough manager. Um, See, you signed a new deal. Yeah, and but this is the thing. So did Fark and then he got to the Prem and he was rubbish twice. So true. be interesting to see. Sheffield United, I think, will be in trouble. I don't know if... Uh, you've already seen, but they're actually in financial problems anyway. Um, and the owner's trying to sell the club, even though they just got promoted, um, which is a little bit concerning for them. But I think it will definitely be interesting. I mean, so the three teams that came up last year, obviously Fulham have done very well. Um, they've come 10th. Well, they haven't come 10th, actually, have they? Because there's three games left. But they're definitely not going down. Bournemouth seems safe. Um, and then Forest could also be safe. There's potential that all three of those teams stay up. Come start of the season, I'm pretty sure. Sounds about right. definitely back in Bournemouth to go down. I think we had at least two of them going down, yeah. Yeah. So, having said all that about them, you, you never know. Um, they They could be totally fine. Um, it's it's a difficult jump, but Burnley and Sheffield United definitely, obviously, I know they're the top two, but they certainly look the best prepared. We'll see. That is and in fairness to Sheffield United, club with Sheffield United, uh, Sheffield United actually did it last time. To be fair, they came up and finished like ninth. So yeah, that's a very um, good point. This brings me on to my actual start of the week, Mike. Oh, here we go. Right, guys, it's time for Dave's stat of the week. Cheers, Mike, for the intro as always. Um, so obviously there's a bit of a myth that the championship winners, everyone that comes up from the championship struggles. Um, if you take out Norwich, because obviously 
they don't bother trying. Uh, since 2014, every championship winner has actually stayed up and they've averaged 48 points in that first season in the Prem. Um, yet every year, the narrative is that coming up, even if you win the championship, is mission impossible. I just thought that was pretty interesting. Teams, there's a lot of yeah, points. Yeah, there's teams that came up. Uh, Leicester, 2014. Bournemouth, 2015. Burnley, 2016. Newcastle, 2017. Wolves, 2018. Norwich, 2019-2021 were disregarding. Leeds 2020 and obviously Fulham 2022. Um, so yeah, there's quite a lot of pedigree there actually for your first first season in the Prem after coming up. So the whole negativity around it is actually a bit of a myth. It's just Norwich's fault. Remind us of that when we're doing the 1 to 20 pods next year to not relegate Burnley. <laughs> Oh, I can't wait for us to not, and then they actually finish 20th with about 25 points. Sounds about right. Um, so that is the championship picture. We'll quickly do League One, uh, where Plymouth, which is an incredible season. What a story this is, 101 points. They're going yeah. up along with Ipswich, uh, going down Forest Green, who've been doomed for ages. Ages. <laughs> uh, Accrington, which is a shame because they've been doing incredible things on a ridiculously small budget as well. Morecambe gone too. And have MK Dons gone down or did they survive? Yeah, they went down to League Two. They've gone, which means Cambridge somehow survived after being pretty awful for most of the season. Um, so that, and that leaves uh, Peterborough playing Sheffield Wednesday and Bolton Barnsley in the playoffs. Any leans there, Dave? Sheffield Wednesday, but their bottle job on the league was crazy. They were inside the automatic by four points with two or three games in hand and they've still managed to finish outside those top two. Um, right. I did not They did. That. Yeah, they were top of the league or basically level with Plymouth yeah, wow, with games in hand. Season puts you in the playoffs. Um, having said that, they did finish the season strongly and they definitely are capable of scoring quite a few goals. The one thing that makes me lean towards Peterborough is even though they've snuck in last day, they have just come down and they kept most of that team that came down. And Johnson Clark Harris is a very good striker for League One. He definitely has some problems. Yeah. And then Bolton Barnsley, I feel like that's really tough because it feels like they're almost the same team in terms of like their strengths. I mean, both of them, Barnsley more keeping on hold of players that they sort of come down with. Bolton, obviously, as they've become more of a stable club, but again, as you'd expect, able to attract like players maybe going from the Championship or at least really good players from League One. I mean, what's worth mentioning with Bolton as well is uh, Shola Shortire on loan from Man U. Uh, he's, he's had a couple of injuries, but I think he's been fairly decent coming to the end of the season a couple of their strikers have have really sort of started firing as well so they're in good form and Barnsley weirdly enough actually lost to Peterborough on the last day of the season which is how Peterborough got in Barnsley I would say is a bit more safe with their football they're a bit sort of target manny what you'd expect almost like what Rotherham do in League One and it works and yeah, they've managed to make it work in the championship for a change, but it's it's slower football. It's it's play it in the air, play to your strengths. Whereas Bolton are a bit more technical. I think it would be fair to say. 
but they've ended up almost on the sort of same-ish points, 86, 81. Uh, fairly similar goal differences as well. Um, I think that one could be anyone's, but I would expect Sheffield Wednesday to to beat Peterborough, if I'm honest, given they finished 19 points above them. All righty, so there you go. That's League One. Uh, I do have a stat, sorry, for League One, oh, Mike. Here we go. It's Dave's League One stat of the week. Thanks, Mike. Again, so this is more of like a hypothetical rather than an ironed on fact. But basically, if Sunderland, Sheffield Wednesday win their respective playoffs, last season's League One playoff semi-finalists will actually all be in a different division next season. Sunderland would be in the Prem. Sheffield Wednesday would be in the Championship. Wickham have remained in League One and MK Dons went down to League Two. So for the first time ever in football, Teams that contested the same playoffs in one league would start the season in four different leagues, which is pretty okay. mental. Now we know what we're all rooting for, I suppose. If you are going to watch the playoffs, which are always fun to watch, that's what we're rooting for then. Sunderland and Sheffield Wednesday is it we need. Yeah, and it's it's pretty mind-boggling that somehow <laughs> people that, that are in the same playoffs last season, one could be two divisions above, one will be a division below, and one will still be in the championship and one will be in League One. <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, talking about League Two, where MK Dons are headed, uh, we'll quickly talk about the picture here. Is it three you go up? Yeah, three automatics. Yeah. in Orient, Stevenage and Northampton. Well done to them. Uh, Hartlepool and Rochdale, unfortunately, dropping out to make way for Wrexham and maybe Notts County. There was some carnage in the... Uh, yes, there was. In the National League playoffs, uh, which leaves Salford, Stockport and Bradford, Carlisle in the playoffs. I don't know how far you delve into the EFL, Dave, but have you got any... League two is tough, Mike, because the playoff teams, Stockport finished on 79 and Salford finished on 75, and Carlisle and Bradford both finished on 76. Yeah. Um, Salford actually made the playoffs by one goal to Mansfield. Um, To put into context, Mansfield also finished on 75, but ninth place was down on 62 points. So these guys were all basically up there for the whole season. Carlisle were actually occupying that third space for ages, but fell off. Stevenage, usually relegation battlers, had an absolute stormer this season and a cup run where they beat Villa and made it to like the fourth round or fifth round of the cup. Stellar season for them. Leighton Orient, you'd expect to go up, I would say, with their budget and stuff. Now they're like more stable. Northampton finally went up after that crazy. I think last season they missed out on automatic. Oh my god! Yeah, I remember this. that like hundred and whatever minute minute goal against the no. Someone lost. They lost seven. Bristol Rovers yeah, they, lost like they lost seven by a stupid scoreline. Someone did. Yeah. Yeah, to send Bristol up. Actually, that was sorry, not someone beating Bristol. Bristol beat someone like seven or eight nil with like a last minute winner. Well wasn't a winner, but last-minute goal to actually knock Northampton out. So they'll be happy to get it over the line. Stockport, fair play. They've come up from the National League and absolutely smashed it. Um, Obviously, given the fact they're in the playoffs straight away. I mean, I don't like Salford, um, as we all know. So I'd prefer if Stockport saw them off. But 
obviously it's Salford, so they've got some players that are really good for that level, um, which could give them an edge. Carlo and Bradford is crazy. They've ended up on 76 points. They conceded the same amount of goals, but Carlisle scored five more. I mean, not massively sure how you separate them. Um, when they played each other this season as well, it actually finished 0-0 and 1-0 to Carlisle. So, even the other two times they've played this season have been really close. But if I had to pick one, just because of the momentum they had most of the season, I feel like Carlisle will be really pushing for this because really, if they'd got it together, they should have probably been inferred up with those other three. There we go then. That's our EFL playoff preview slash season roundup. That's about as much as you'll you get from us normally. So (laughs) (laughs) I think that'll do it. Um, Yes. Hopefully Will and Ross will be back with us uh, next week to talk about whatever Will wants to talk about. Probably, probably Chelsea losing to who have they got Mike? (laughs) It sounded like someone in the relegation scrap. Someone in the scrap. Chelsea forest. Was that? That's forest. Maybe. Uh, Hold on. I think it's forest. Chelsea, is it them that's playing Chelsea, Arsenal and Palace? Yeah, it's Forest. Correct, it's Forest. At, at the bridge, Notts Forest go to the bridge. So we'll be back after Notts Forest win at the bridge. Um, thanks very much for your insight, Dave. Appreciate that. Well, yeah, if people want to follow you for any more EFL content, where can they do that? Uh, it's at Dave Harris underscore 44. Excellent stuff. You can follow me at Mikey President uh, on Twitter, but of course... Please don't. Please instead follow us at In The Round Pod uh, on all the socials. I'm going to finish watching Real Madrid, Manchester City. Enjoy the rest of your week uh, and sayonara.